Hey, and welcome to another episode of She. And if this is your first time tuning in, then welcome to your first episode. We have a lot of fun around here, so I hope you stick around. In this episode specifically, I want to share a little bit more of my fertility journey and really answer the question that seems to come up quite a bit whenever I've shared anything about my journey in the last year or so when when I've shared like my pregnancy and just the journey I've been on. Um, I've gotten a lot of questions like, what did you do differently this time? And so I want to answer that, you know, because I know when I was going through my season of loss and fertility struggles and things like that, I really clung to stories of hope and also hearing different things that women tried, you know, when they finally were able to carry a pregnancy because, you know, the reality is like, there's so many things you can look into and it can be so freaking overwhelming trying to get answers and find, you know, dig to find root issues and, and all of that. And I just remember feeling really isolated in that. And I know a lot of women feel that way. And I just kind of wish I would have known about some of this earlier. I really had to like get a PhD in this stuff and like, you know, do a lot of self-research and ask a lot of other women who'd been through it. And so I just want to pass some of this information on and pass a little bit of, you know, my experience on, maybe it'll help you, maybe it'll help someone, you know, but also, you know, encourage you in the process. Cause I know it can be so isolating and daunting. But before I dig into kind of some of the details and, you know, share more about this, I want to preface with something because I think this is really important and it can be hard to hear, but I think it is important to remember. I truly still believe like even though there are things I did differently, you know, I changed my lifestyle and reduced my toxin load to better support my body naturally. I also worked with various doctors and providers to find answers and try different approaches and have had to take this kind of like holistic modern medicine hybrid approach, which has been an interesting thing to navigate. But even though I did all of that, like ultimately, I still believe God gets the credit here. Like I didn't do something that like suddenly made it work. I think God allowed me to connect with the right doctors and find the right resources over time in order to uncover some of this stuff and, you know, be able to to address it. But I still believe he gets the credit. Like medicine doesn't sustain life. You know, <laughs> using non-toxic shampoo doesn't sustain life. Like God ultimately sustains life. Now, are there things we can do and resources we can use to support our bodies well, to support our children well? Absolutely. Should we steward that and be aware of that and take the steps we can? Of course. But we don't get to force life. We don't get to force life to grow. We don't get to you know force anything to work. We can use resources. We can be aware. We can test things. We can try things. And the reality is like we can do our best, but we have to trust God with the result and the outcome. And that's so much easier said than done. I mean, I sit here 36 weeks pregnant recording this and still feel terrified to even record it, like knowing, okay, but I'm so keenly aware, given my history of pregnancy laws, recurrent pregnancy laws, et cetera, like I'm so keenly aware of how quickly things can change that it feels scary to even put something like this out there. But it's just this constant like stretch of faith and like this just releasing of what's outside of my control and trusting the Lord with all of the, you know, the outcomes of things. And I just want to encourage you to do the same as you pursue answers or as, you know, maybe you share this with someone you love. Like, I just, I think that's really hard to remember when you're in the thick of it, when it feels like God is not sovereign over it, like he's forgotten about you, like he doesn't hear you. But I can look back at everything. And I'm like, yeah, there's totally things we've done. And I think we have found like missing links and have been able to address those things. And answers and all of that. And that's amazing. Like science is a really cool thing, but God made science. Like God made our bodies. You know, he made the doctors who discover these things, who research these things. Like it ultimately still comes back to him. And I just don't want to like fail to give credit where credit is due because when you're answering the question of like, what did you do differently this pregnancy? It's so easy for it to come across like I did this and therefore it worked. And that's like just not the case. It's like God allowed me to slowly find answers, to connect with people, to, you know, find providers that you know, know about this stuff. And that's ultimately why I've been able to do anything differently. It's not because like I have like some, you know, <laughs> advantage or like earned anything or fixed it myself. So anyway, I just want to preface with that. 
And then what what, what I want to do in this episode is I'm just going to give you like a quick overview of here's what my like pregnancy slash fertility journey looked like up until this point. And then I want to transition into here's where I really found some missing links and then kind of talk through something called reproductive immunology because that was a big, I think, gap in my in my journey. Like I was trying to find answers and I found clues, but that was like, I think the biggest thing that we found, but it just took a long time to even discover because it's a smaller field. So I want to share a little bit about what that looks like and then I'll wrap up from there. So that's what you can expect in this episode. I hope it blesses you or I hope it's at least something you can pass on to someone that it might bless. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Okay, so I want to start with just a brief overview of my journey in terms of fertility, pregnancy, et cetera, because I shared some of it on social media. Like when I had my first couple of pregnancy losses, I shared those. I wrote about them in my book. And then when it just kept happening and when I went through like even struggling to get pregnant for a while, I just stopped talking about it publicly because I was like, this is freaking depressing. <laughs> and I'm so tired of just having sad news, you know? And so I just kind of stopped sharing it. I also felt like God really challenged me to like go a little bit more inward and keep some of those intimate details to myself in the in the process and like while I was going through it. So anyway, I, I didn't really continue sharing live updates as it happened. So that's why I'm like, I know most people kind of know about my first couple losses, but I haven't really given like a in one place, here's the like full journey. So let me do that somewhat briefly and then I'll kind of move into, you know, what I found. So back up to 2019. That is when I first got pregnant toward the end of 2019, last couple months of 2019. And then I ended up miscarrying at like eight, eight and a half weeks. I had a large subchorionic hematoma, which you may be familiar with, you may not. It's a pretty common pregnancy complication, but usually it resolves itself. In my case, it did not. And it basically just caused, I mean, it did, I don't know if it caused miscarriage or if it was part of the miscarriage, but ultimately had a loss. And then was pretty shocked by that. Like, I don't want to get into a ton of detail. I'm just kind of trying to move through like the order of events. But, you know, your, when your first pregnancy ends traumatically, it kind of like ruins the, <laughs> I don't know, it kind of like just kind of makes it a really scary experience. Not like this like blissfully, ignorantly joyful one, you know? So anyway, I got pregnant again a few months later. That was like spring of 2020, got pregnant. And then because I had just had a loss, my OB and I were, you know, I talked with her and I was like, I just need some extra monitoring for my peace of mind. Cause of course I was convinced, like I was pushed to believe it was just a fluke. Cause that's what most like doctors and OBs will tell you. Like, oh, it was probably just a chromosomal thing. It can happen. Like it probably won't happen again. Thankfully I did push for a little bit of testing. I worked with a functional doctor, but you know, I was still like, I don't know. I felt like it's silly that they make you wait to test anything. So I kind of went off on my own and <laughs> did some initial testing of just like basic stuff like hormones and things like that and didn't find anything crazy significant. So I was like, okay, maybe it was just a fluke, but I also didn't do anything like extensive. I just began the testing process. Now, if I could go back, I'd be like, oh my gosh, before you even try to have a family test X, Y, and Z, like all these things, you know, it's just like, why would you not? It's just preventative, but whatever. Anyway, so after that, got pregnant again in the spring and my OB agreed to do biweekly scans. And so at six weeks, eight weeks, 10 or 11 weeks, had three beautiful scans, saw heartbeats, watched growth, development, all of that. And then went back at like 13 or 14 weeks, kind of in that window in between 13 and 14 weeks for just like one last first trimester scan because everything had been looking amazing. And just shockingly, the baby, we had lost the baby. Like there was no heartbeat. And I was so like shocked and I don't want to get into it because I'll probably cry because that was like so traumatic. 
But, you know, when you like track growth and you see that growth, you really grow an attachment pretty quickly and pretty early. And literally the day, (laughs) the day that we found out we lost the baby, my mom and my aunt and my cousin and my grandma were on their way to my house. Like they live a couple hours away. They were on their way and we were all going to go to this restaurant where we were going to plan my baby shower. Like we were planning to have it there. So anyway, it was just like they ended up turning around or like not. It was just like the worst thing and ever. It was awful. Ended up having a DNC because I was further along. And I had a really traumatic DNC for various reasons, not only the procedure itself, but also just the recovery process was really bad. I had actually what was called an incomplete DNC. And this is relevant to the story a little bit later. So they didn't get everything essentially. And so I had retained placenta and two or three weeks later, like started hemorrhaging, had to pass that at home. It was really painful, traumatic. Like they told me like, yeah, you'll probably be back to normal in like a week. And then it ended up being like a six week healing process. So Needless to say, I was like, what the heck? Like, this is awful. I'd probably use stronger words than that. But um, it was it was pretty traumatic. And so anyway, after that, I was like, I need a second. This has been a lot. It was like two losses back to back in like a six month period. It just really kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, something is wrong. You know, like this is not normal for a 26 year old girl. I think at the time I was 26, 25 or 26. And so anyway, that kind of caused me to put things on pause. I was like, told Matt, I was like, I just want to take a break from trying to build our family. And I want to figure out what's going on. Cause like, this is not, this is too much on my body and my heart and everything. So I did a lot of testing. We took like, I want to say like nine or 10 months to just focus on testing and getting answers and also just taking a brain and heartbreak, you know, like just, it was so much on us, on our marriage, like everything. So in that time I, you know, found some, I found some clues. Like I worked with a NAPRO doctor. I worked with a functional doctor. I worked with various types of providers and I found things like subclinical hypothyroidism which essentially meant that like once I got pregnant, my thyroid would just go wonky. It was kind of like borderline, like low thyroid function, but it, it was decent outside of pregnancy. And then the second I'd get pregnant, it would just like struggle. I also found um, that I had MTHFR mutation, which is like, it basically means you need to take methylated folate instead of folic acid because your body doesn't break it down as efficiently. And it can also increase the risk of blood clotting, like almost like microclots forming as the placenta forms. So that can increase risk of miscarriage. And then I also found that I had something called the PAI1 or a plasminogen activator inhibitor type 1 um, gene mutation. I had the double polymorphism or gene mutation 4G4G. And that's probably like, what the heck does that even mean? Basically, I'll link the study in the show notes, but basically there's like an NIH, or I'm sorry, yeah, NIH study that shows like it can increase your risk, like your pregnancy, your your risk of complications in pregnancy, and it's also tied to blood clotting risk factors. So I found those things kind of right off the bat within the first like six months of testing, and thankfully because like my NAPRO doctor and a couple of providers I was working with, they, because of my history at that point and what we found, they were, you know, basically like, we'll put you on baby aspirin and Lovenox, you know, just preventatively given that these are risk factors you have. And then they also found that I had like, it was kind of confusing. I kind of got diagnosed with antiphospholipid syndrome, but not totally because I didn't meet all the criteria, but I met some of the criteria. And so some doctors and providers who were a lot more proactive about preventing loss were like, oh, this is absolutely a thing. And then, you know, standard OBs were like, eh, it's not really a thing unless you meet all the criteria. So I don't know if I really like actually have that true diagnosis, but it was enough, like given my history of already having two losses and one that was like on the borderline of the second trimester to just address that as if I did have it. So anyways, All that said, we took about a year off, maybe just under a year, but around a year off and got a lot of those answers, kind of found our care team, you know, who was going to treat me, all of these things, and had a little bit of a treatment plan in place. I had started on a natural thyroid medication, like a naturally desiccated one as opposed to synthetic. We planned to do the blood thinners, like we thought we had a plan in place. So 
once we kind of had that and I felt a little bit more like I had healed mentally and emotionally and physically and felt like I had a little bit more of a plan going into the next pregnancy, we started trying again early 2021. And what was so weird this time is months and months and months just went by without a positive test. Like suddenly I just wasn't getting pregnant. And that wasn't really the case before. Like I had two traumatic losses, but nothing like you know, in terms of like, it wasn't like it took us a year to get pregnant the first or second time. It took us maybe the first, maybe a couple months maximum. So suddenly I was like, what is going on? Something's different. So after about 11 or 12 months of trying, I saw a fertility doctor and they did an HSG to check to see if my tubes were clear as well, as well as to check for scar tissue, because I had this concern of like, okay, I had a DNC and it didn't heal very well. And then suddenly now I'm not getting pregnant. Like (laughs) I feel like that surgery like had some sort of effect. And so it was a little bit confusing because the HSG came back showing my tubes are fine and they didn't see any signs of scar tissue. So I was like, what the heck is going on then? Like it was the most confusing thing. So then a couple months after that, I decided to get a hysteroscopy as I was convinced that the DNC like messed something up. I was like, maybe we just can't see everything on the HSG. Like, I don't know. So hysteroscopy is when they go in and look with a scope inside your uterus. So it turned out like once I did that, it turned out that it wasn't scar tissue, thankfully, because that can be even like harder to address and it's risky and all of that. But It ended up being something called endometritis, which can be either acute, which means there's usually more symptoms, like you're actually having like symptoms of infection because endometritis is a low-grade chronic infection, or I'm sorry, is is an infection of your uterine lining, and it can be acute or it can be chronic slash low-grade, which means you may not have a whole lot of symptoms at all, but it can make it harder to get pregnant because your uterine lining has this like low-grade infection happening. So anyway, endometritis is typically diagnosed via hysteroscopy and biopsy. And I did that under anesthesia because I was like, I do not need to feel that. (laughs) I've had enough drama already. So ironically, the biopsy came back negative for endometritis. But I got a second opinion on that because from the looks of the hysteroscopy, it definitely looked like I had it. And the doctor I showed it to like the second opinion doctor, he seemed to know a little bit more about endometritis. And he basically was like, did the doctor who ran the biopsy just test for white blood cells? Or did he like run all these specific stains to like catch endometritis on the you know microscope? And I was like, I have no idea. But I'm pretty sure it just was a basic like white blood cell test based on what that doctor said. So he was like, yeah, endometritis can be so hard to catch. Like, you know, I would treat it just based on how this these pictures look like regardless of what the biopsy says. But apparently there's like certain things you should test with the biopsy to really get the most accurate answer. And a lot of times it can get missed. So that's something to ask about um, just in case you're like maybe thinking you might have something like that. But anyway, so the second opinion doctor was like, let me just treat you with an antibiotic. Like it's worth trying that first because at the same time of my hysteroscopy, I had also had a diagnostic lab to see like is endometriosis maybe a issue here. And they found a couple like small spots, but I had like no pain, no symptoms of endometriosis. And it was helpful to be aware of, but my my gut was just like mm, jumping into like do some massive surgery on my reproductive organs to remove those couple little spots that don't really seem to be bothering me, like feels a little aggressive. <laughs> and so I was like, let's try the antibiotic burst. And if I'm still having trouble at that point, getting pregnant, why not again, then we'll maybe tackle the endometriosis. And it's confusing because they sound so similar, but endometritis is like the low grade or the chronic infection that can happen in your uterine lining. And then endometriosis is when like tissue grows outside of your uterus, like places it's not supposed to grow. So hopefully that's helpful for clarification. But anyway, so we tried the antibiotic and what was so interesting was I don't even think I had finished the antibiotic course. Like I, it was like a 14 day course. And I think I ovulated somewhere bef- between like in that course, but I had started the antibiotic course and got pregnant like while I was on the antibiotic, like immediately. 
So part of me was like, well, maybe that was just a coincidence. I don't know. But it really did seem like tackling the endometritis allowed me to get pregnant again. So got pregnant again. And at that point, it had been almost two years or about two years from my my last pregnancy. So we were coming up on about three years of our journey at that point. And I remember just thinking like, <laughs> like I, I don't even know. Like I, I think I was just so shocked to be pregnant that it was like, this has to be the miracle. You know, like it, it's taken a long time after two losses, like this just has to be it. And on top of that, we found out on Mother's Day weekend, this was last year, so 2022. And I was just like, this timing is perfect. Like this has to be the miracle, et cetera. Well, then later into the pregnancy, like a few weeks in, I started having bleeding and I was like, oh, here we go again. And then it was this whole confusing thing because it ended up being almost the exact, it was so eerie because it was like almost the exact same situation as my first pregnancy loss where I had this subchronic hematoma. We went in for a heart or we went in for an ultrasound to see why I was bleeding. There was still a heartbeat, baby was growing, but there was like this big bleed happening around the gestational sac, which is what a subchronic hematoma is. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. So I sat there for like two weeks waiting to see what would happen. Ended up being that we lost that baby too, just when we thought like things were going to work out. And I just remember being like so confused. And in that pregnancy, you know, I was on blood thinners. I was on the thyroid medication. Like, you know, you often hear, I don't know if if you're not in the recurrent loss world, you may not have heard this, but it seemed to me like blood thinners were often like the solution or like the cure for so many women who struggled with recurrent loss. And so I was like, well, what the heck? Like, this didn't work, you know? And then I thought, well, maybe it's chromosomal because you can treat like the issues your body could be having with pregnancy. But then if it's like a fluke genetic issue with the baby, like that doesn't matter what treatment you use, you know? So we kind of were like, well, let's test the fetal tissue and see if we can find if that was what it was. Because if it was, then we'll just continue with the same treatment plan the next time. But if it's not that, then like there must be a missing link. So we had the genetic testing done afterwards and we ended up finding out that the baby was totally genetically healthy actually found out the gender, which made it kind of bittersweet. Um, in some ways, it was like helpful to have that closure because I didn't get to know anything like that for my first two. I should have with the second, but they had like, with the DNC being so bad, they didn't end up getting, like they had like non-conclusive answers on the genetic side, which was really weird because I was kind of further along. But anyway, so in some ways it was helpful for closure, but in other ways it kind of made it harder. But when when they were like, yeah, the baby was genetically healthy, I was like, okay, then now I'm really stumped. And I was like, there has to be something else. Like I just kind of knew it. And then it popped into my brain. I kind of had forgotten, um, but I had actually gotten on the wait list for something called a reproductive immunologist. And I got on that wait list a few months before I got pregnant the, th- the third time because someone reached out to me on Instagram and told me about reproductive immunology. And I thought, oh, maybe that's why I'm not getting pregnant now. Maybe there's like an immune system issue going on. Because once I looked into it, I was like, whatever, I'll try that too. Like <laughs> I was just like desperate to find any kind of answers. So I'd gotten on the wait list for a doctor and I'll share more about that in a little bit. But I once that pregnancy ended and, you know, once we went through that loss and it was genetically normal and everything, it's like that popped back into my brain. Like, I need to follow up on that. Like, that has to be a thing. And the timing ended up working out so beautifully, like, because I got on the wait list before I even got pregnant and then honestly kind of forgot about it. I was able to get in like a month or so after my loss for testing, which was a huge gift because otherwise I would have had to wait like five or six months. But at that point, like before I had seen, you know, before I had started pursuing that testing, I kind of felt like I had seen every doctor under the sun. I had seen, you know, normal fertility doctors like reproductive endocrinologists. I had seen NAPRO physicians. I had seen functional doctors, naturopaths, chiropractors, acupuncturists, like literally dietitians, like so many different people to try to help me. And to be honest, they all played a part, I think, in helping me get to where I am. 
but no one really seemed to be able to solve the puzzle until I saw the reproductive immunologist. So I want to share a little bit about what that is, just so that you can kind of, if you're like, what is reproductive immunology? And then we'll kind of, I want to go into a little bit more about what that experience has been like. So Reproductive immunology is defined as the field of medicine that studies the interactions between the immune system and the reproductive system. The current area of study in reproductive medicine is the role of the immune system concerning recurrent pregnancy loss and repeated IVF failures. And I know it also often helps with um, what's called like unexplained infertility. So what can happen is the immune system can react to an embryo as an invader. Like it doesn't like a normal, healthy immune system function, your immune system would like be able to identify like, oh, that's a baby, that's a pregnancy, leave it alone. But when your immune system is dysfunctioning for some reason, it can react to an embryo as an invader and try to stop the growth of those cells, therefore leading to a miscarriage. So a lot of treatments being utilized in the field of reproductive medicine are used to reduce inflammation and kind of like modulate or kind of keep the immune system calm so that it can like support a successful pregnancy and not attack the pregnancy. So once this was explained to me, it made so much sense. But I was kind of confused because I was like, well, I have tested for like, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and all these like autoimmune diseases and they were all coming back negative. The only issue I had like up until that point of testing before I saw the the reproductive immunologist, the only like test that I came back that had come back showing me like a clue that maybe something was going on immune wise was something called ANA. Anti-nuclear antibodies is what that stands for. And it's kind of just like a non-specific test that gives you like an idea of your immune function. But a lot of doctors, I don't think like some of them are like, eh, it can be positive and not mean anything. But like in my case, it definitely meant something, but I just didn't know that because that was coming back pretty, like pretty positive, pretty high positive. <laughs> and so what was confusing is I was like, well, I don't have an autoimmune disease, but the reproductive immunologist kind of explained it to me like this. Like if you think about on like a spectrum, like if one and if, you, if it's a spectrum from one to 10 and one is like totally normal immune function and 10 is like full blown autoimmune, like lupus, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera. Sometimes I think from what I understood from my testing and stuff, I was like at a four or five, six or a five. And then during pregnancy, it would like flare up and then it would have this whole like autoimmune response to pregnancy, even though I wasn't officially diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. So you can have this like trend toward autoimmune. You can have, you know, an immune dysfunction happening and pregnancy is a huge trigger in your body. And so when that trigger happens, it causes this flare up to happen in your immune system and Therefore, your immune system can like react negatively to a pregnancy, seeing it as like an invader, almost responding as if you had like a kidney transplant. Like it's like this foreign thing, right? A placenta is like technically uh, another like it's it's like your body is forming a new organ, right? And it's half of someone else's DNA. So it kind of makes sense when you like start looking into it. You're like, oh yeah, I could see why like my immune system isn't like functioning properly and it gets triggered by pregnancy and isn't like that switch that should be switching off to say, hey, leave it alone, isn't switching off. It makes sense why it's attacking, right? So anyway, once this was explained to me, it made so much sense and I had to look into it. And especially after we lost the third and she was like genetically normal and everything like was okay. I was like, there's got to be something that we're missing and sure enough, there was. So I want to share the story of how I learned about reproductive immunology, dig into a little bit more of what it is. And then I thought maybe to do this, it would be worth having my friend Anna join me because she's actually the one who told me about this. And if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have known about it for a long time. And I probably wouldn't have been on the wait list and been able to get in for testing so quickly after my third loss. And I think that was a really critical piece. So anyways, I want to bring her on because I want you to hear both of our experiences with this. I want you to hear kind of, you know, what we've experienced, what the process can be like, and really just kind of hear her story too, because I'm not the only one who's experienced, you know, the benefits of this. And I want more women to be aware of it because it's such a small field. And I wish I would have known about it earlier, but I know God's timing is perfect. So all of that said, 
you know, I'm so thankful for Anna because she's the one who really encouraged me to look into this. And I'm so, so glad that she did. So I'm going to bring her on and I'm going to kind of just ask her some, some questions and you'll get to hear both of our experiences. Anna, welcome to She. It's so fun to get to have you on. And I'm so excited to chat with you through this topic because I think this is something that so many more women need to know about. But before we dig in, can you please just say hello to everyone and maybe give us a little of your background on your history with pregnancy, pregnancy loss, all the things. Yeah. Hello, hello. (laughs) So I'm so excited to get to chat with you. I'm Anna. But yeah, so I had had three losses. Mm -hmm. And they were back to back, right? Yeah, all Mm -hmm. back to back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so my first loss, we got pregnant super, super easily. And we felt like we were so blessed, which we were, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, to have gotten pregnant super easily. And we had our first ultrasound and everything was great. Heartbeat, everything was measuring on track. And then I hated that people always waited until the second trimester to announce Mm -hmm. because I wanted to celebrate every pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to announce in a couple of weeks. We were only waiting so we could tell family. Mm -hmm. And then because we had waited a little bit, I was like, oh, let's go to another ultrasound. Like, let's do one of the fun ones Mm -hmm. to get, because, you know, early on they look like chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't really look like babies. Yeah, they look like chicken nuggets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted an ultrasound where they looked like a gummy bear and way cuter. (laughs) And so we went to like an elective one and there was no heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And you're just super shocked by yeah. it and obviously devastated and you never think it's going to happen to you. Yeah, you never do. And so we instantly started trying again and I just felt like something was off. Mm-hmm. So I started to kind of dabble in mm-hmm. different testing and mm-hmm. things, just basic stuff. And I had found out that I did have MTHFR mutations mm-hmm. actually from like my 23 and me. And so I brought that up to my OB and I was, Hey, I know that this kind of sounds out there, but I would just feel better. I've research that you can be on blood thinners Mm -hmm. if you have this and that it could be beneficial and she was like you know what like let's just go for it if that makes you feel better Mm -hmm. I don't really think it's necessary but let's just do it Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay great and then a couple months later we got pregnant again I started the blood thinners and had an ultrasound baby was measuring on track Mm -hmm. and then like a week later we miscarried again Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so I was super frustrated at that point of like okay well this Maybe, okay, maybe this one was genetic because mm-hmm. it was a little earlier on and mm-hmm. maybe we just have bad luck, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we got pregnant again <laughs> the very next month and this one was a chemical. And again, I was mm-hmm. on blood thinners. And so super frustrating because now I'm like, okay, there definitely, you know, has to be something, yeah, something going on. Yeah. 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 I mean, my husband and I, we were 22 and 23 mm-hmm. and I was just like, there's no way, like this mm-hmm. just isn't normal, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's really when we started pushing, I mean, kind of intertwined in all of this, I was doing some research behind the scenes and mm-hmm. getting on wait lists and things like that. And then as you know, we ended up finding an immunologist mm-hmm. and we saw him mm-hmm. and got tons of answers. Yeah. <laughs> and then we actually got pregnant accidentally that time mm-hmm. um, while waiting to see him. But by the grace of Jesus, we had that baby in November of 2021. Mm-hmm. And I like to repeat myself, I guess, because I got pregnant again <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> Uh, seven months postpartum and we just had that baby in April. Mm. So, so, okay. First yeah. of all, I'm so thankful that you kind of shared the the timeline and also kind of the details because I, I didn't share this when I was kind of sharing some of my fertility journey earlier in this episode, but you know, interest similarly and interestingly, the first few pregnancies for me, like I was always seeing heartbeats. Like there was, it was like the most confusing thing. Cause it would like start off so strong and then like something would go wrong and it made no sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, I mean, we talked about this so much, but like just how frustrating it is that they're like, 
eh, it's probably just a fluke. And then you go on to have one, two, three, four. And it's like, man, if we could just like empower women to like understand certain things to ask for or test for, I just wonder how much would be prevented, you know, like, cause some women, they miss just because their progesterone is low, you know? And then there's people like us who have way more complex cases, but it's like, right. man, if we could just rule out some of those things, we'd probably make progress a lot faster, but exactly. Uh, and because so many people too say, I mean, everybody's like, once you see a heartbeat, like you're pretty yes. much in the clear, like losses yes. never happen. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well mm-hmm. that's not the case. Yeah. Us, it's you true. Know? It's so true. Okay. So yeah. I know that something changed when you saw the RI let's touch on this. Mm-hmm. So a reproductive immunologist is what RI stands for. So you had two babies back to back after three miscarriages mm-hmm. back to back and in between yeah. the three miscarriages and the two pregnancies that worked you saw a reproductive immunologist can you just give us like a quick like how did he help you like did he like what did he find that other people weren't finding you don't have to get super specific into your case but like i would love to hear what shifted from what you were finding with your ob or other doctors you were working with versus like what did the ri how did he how was he helpful yeah so we Prior to seeing him, we saw our OB and like midwife, mm-hmm. and then we saw an integrative medicine doctor who I'd say she was the next person to do mm-hmm. most of the testing. And then we saw an RE, which is a reproductive endocrinologist. Like a normal fertility who, doctor, most people yeah. like that most mm-hmm. people see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so he, I mean, right off the bat, he was like, you have no issues, you're getting pregnant. I was like, yeah, but I'm not keeping them. Right, right. <laughs> which matters too, you know? Right. And so it's like, I don't want to get pregnant if I can't stay pregnant. But he ended up reluctantly doing like a full pregnancy loss panel and nothing came up for him mm-hmm. either, mm-hmm. except again, the MTHFR, which we already knew about. Mm-hmm. So then when we saw our RI, he has definitely done the most intensive testing that I've ever done, as mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up doing the blood work and a blood flow ultrasound, which I think the blood flow ultrasound mm-hmm. flew mm-hmm. because nobody, I didn't even know that it was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so he had tested me for uh, like a lot of stuff. And one of the things that came up was a clotting disorder. And mm-hmm. so I kind of found out some of that with my integrative medicine doctor, mm-hmm. but you have to have blood work done multiple times in a row to confirm it. And mm-hmm. so I'd only done one with her. So it wasn't confirmed. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter because the protocol for that also was the one blood thinner. Right. And so, again, in theory, I should have been fine. Right. And so I think that the ultrasound was really the big clue was that I was on blood thinners when I saw him because I was accidentally pregnant already Mm -hmm. for my first visit, Mm -hmm. which isn't the norm. Mm -hmm. And he was able to see right off the bat that my blood flow didn't look good. Mm -hmm. And so blood flow meaning to your uterus, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, to my uterus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And most doctors don't look at your blood flow to your uterus. Like that's not like a standard thing. You (laughs) can't just like walk into your OB and be like, can you check my blood flow to my uterus? Like they would be like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, it's definitely a highly specialized. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And so when he checked that, that really lit up of like, okay, you need more blood thinners. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up being on more like a double dose. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big game changer. And then mm-hmm. the other thing that he discovered that nobody else had ever checked was, I mean, they've checked some immune things, but mm-hmm. his immune panel is massive. Yes. And so I've never had any autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. I've never had a blood clot. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing ever clued me into any of yeah, this. Same. Yeah. And so I was shocked that I had immune stuff going on mm-hmm. that I had no idea about either. Mm-hmm. And so being on different immune meds, I think also was massive. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so wild? Like I I was sharing the same thing earlier in this episode about how I really didn't have any reason to think I would have any immune issues. Like, but it's wild how like even something like pregnancy can trigger your immune system to flare and like dysfunction. Essentially, if if it's already kind of operating in a little bit of dysfunction, you don't have to have a full blown diagnosis of lupus or something else for your immune system to dysfunction during pregnancy. And when that was explained to me, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense because your body is like building a new human in your body. And there's a foreign plus there's a placenta, which is like a, a new organ. It's essentially growing. That's part of someone else's DNA. Like when you just like break it down to the logic, you're like, Oh, this makes actually a lot of sense, but yeah, it's not like a standard thing that people are testing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like half of the baby isn't even me. Right. Like it's right. my husband's DNA. So of course my body is going to be like, what is this? Yeah. Well, the natural, <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't know if you've ever listened to any of the, so there's a doctor, Dr. Andrew, or is it An- Andrea Vidal? I don't know how his first name is, but Dr. Vidali, which is, I think he's based out of New York, the Braverman Institute. Some of his like talks on this I was listening to. And he's like, it's a wonder anyone actually stays pregnant when you understand what the immune system naturally should do. Like when there's a foreign DNA in your body. And I was like, wow. And like, so our bodies, when they like, when, when it's functioning properly, it like knows to shut the immune system response to something foreign off. But when it's not like, if there's dysfunction, it's going to attack. Cause that's naturally like what our body would do in any other case when there's like a new organ put in our body. Right. So that's why they put kidney, you know, transplant patients on immune suppressants. So it's just a really fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I want to know now. So for those who are like, how do you guys even know each other? Literally, Anna DM'd me and told me a little <laughs> bit about this. Like, And I remember, like, the, I think if you would have DM'd me any earlier, I probably would have just taken it as unsolicited advice because I got countless messages like that. But just where oh, I yes. was in my journey, it just, like, stood out to me. So I'd love to hear from your perspective. Like, what prompted you to reach out to me via DM? Like, what made you decide to do that? Yes, so I was super nervous to DM you because... I've had so much unsolicited advice myself. Mm -hmm. Everybody always says, oh, try this or, oh, it could be this or, oh, it was progesterone for me. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, I know. Like I've done all of that. And you having as many followers as you do, I assumed so many people have given you advice. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think I had wanted to message you earlier because I, you'd always been posting about your losses and Mm -hmm. testing and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then you stopped. Mm -hmm. And so I could kind of tell, you know, you were probably tired of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I would be too. Yeah. And so I held off, but I, you were really what pushed me into testing. And Mm -hmm. so you had shared, I think it was after your first loss, maybe it was your second about how the system is dumb Mm -hmm. in that you have to have three losses before you can really start doing testing and Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that way. And I get it. Like insurance companies don't want to pay for stuff. So Mm -hmm. obviously they want to make it where people (laughs) don't do testing, but you had really just said like, you were advocating for yourself. And so I actually started advocating for myself after mm-hmm. my first loss and I had started to push for some of this testing. And so I was like, you know, I feel like we have maybe similar spirits mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. so honestly, short answer is it was the Lord. Mm-hmm. I just really felt like I was supposed to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. And I guess we do have similar spirits because we, I mean, you and I have shared, yeah. we have like the same exact issues. Like, literally, same, even we literally compared test results and it was like almost identical. There was like two things that were different, but there were so yeah. I was like, what is <laughs> happening? I know, which is crazy because there are so many things that can happen mm-hmm. with like immune stuff. And mm-hmm. so the fact that all of ours were like matching up yeah. was just wild. Have you been wanting to make the switch to cleaner living and clean beauty, but feeling really overwhelmed on where to start and how to sift through all the different options out there? Friend, I get it. I have been there. When I first started my clean living journey, I was so overwhelmed and I was having such a hard time in one area in particular. I was having a really hard time finding beauty products that were clean, safe, toxin-free, but also really worked because the tricky part was I wanted to use clean products, but every time I would try clean makeup or clean shampoo or clean skincare, it just seemed like they didn't work as well as my old toxic favorites. And I found myself always wanting to go back to the more conventional stuff because it actually worked. My makeup stayed all day. My skincare was working well. So I was having a really hard time in this area until I discovered Crunchy. Crunchy is a high-performing, clean beauty brand that honestly performs just as well, if not better, than my old toxic favorites. 
Not only that, but they are eco-friendly, they're plastic positive, which means they take more plastic out of the environment than they put in, and they're also Leaping Bunny certified and cruelty-free as well as vegan. So if you've been looking for a clean option for makeup and skincare, for clean beauty, but you just need something that works well and that doesn't harm the environment and that doesn't harm animals... Crunchy is the place to be. I highly recommend starting with the primer and foundation when it comes to makeup or the cleansing bar and the Clarolite when it comes to the skincare. And if you use my link, you can get $10 off your first order. So just go to crunchy.com slash Jordan Dooley and the $10 off will apply on the last page of checkout to your first order. Or you can just tap the link in the show notes on this episode to shop with that link and get the $10 off applied to your first order. I hate that people don't know about immunology. Mm-hmm. And that's like the big thing is like, mm-hmm. I only found out because people told me about it. And mm-hmm. so I had joined um, a Facebook group for people who have had multiple losses, which what a Facebook group to have to join. Yeah. But I joined in, people kept talking about immunology, immunology. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, okay, so there's an immunology Facebook group. So then I joined that one. Mm-hmm. And then in that one, people kept talking about Turbala, who's mm-hmm. this immunologist mm-hmm. in Detroit mm-hmm. and to join his group. So then I joined his group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in that one, people just kept saying like, this could be the answer. And mm-hmm. it was for me. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know, like, I just feel this tug in my spirit. And if this is the Lord, like, I don't want to hold this back mm-hmm. from you if this mm-hmm. is the answer. Mm-hmm. And I just kept feeling like, okay, you might not know about it. I don't think you did know about it. No, um, I had like briefly heard the term, but I wasn't like, I wasn't plugged into any of the groups, partly because I was like, I don't want people to know my private stuff. Like that was, yeah. that's the downside to having women your age in your community, which is like a beautiful thing too. But it was also like, this feels really vulnerable. Like I literally, guys, this is like a total aside. But when I was looking for breast milk for Noah before we had like publicly shared that we were adopting, I had Anna go into Facebook groups and ask people for me. <laughs> it was like, she's been like able to just, it, but it was just like, I wasn't in a lot of those groups. Oh, yeah. I was in a, like one or two, but then I would get random DMs from people like, hey, I saw you in this group. Like, didn't know you were going through this. And I'm like, I don't know like how I feel about this. And so I kind of didn't continue with that. And I had to kind of like DIY it a little bit. So I had heard of it, but I wasn't familiar with what it was or like if it was even relevant to loss, you know? And so you were the one that kind of was like, here's how it helped me with the exact same thing you're experiencing. And I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, even me, like I didn't, I, I, every single group I joined, I checked the, like the members thing first Uh to see if any of my friends are in it. Cause I don't want my personal information out there. And I know like a quarter, not even a quarter of the people, you know, you know, like, and so I don't, I don't blame you, but yeah. So that's why I reached out. I just feel like nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm super grateful for the women that told me about it. I thought it was nonsense when yeah. I first learned out about it. I don't know if that was Well, especially because it's not like, it's not something that most OBs or like standard fertility doctors are very familiar with. And what I've learned, and I'm sure you've seen this too, yeah. if they're not familiar with it, they kind of write it off, which makes you think it's not legit. And exactly. that's not always the case. It's just like, the reality is like, they're in their specialty. They don't have, they don't have, they're not off researching these like random, very niche things, right? Like they're trying to focus on getting people pregnant or doing hysterectomies or whatever it is that their priority is. And so they're not always like the most, like I'm thankful that the fertility doctor I had started seeing was like very, what we call like immune friendly. Like he wasn't, he, he, he was very much like, I don't know enough about this to treat you myself, but I'm willing to take a backseat to somebody who does. And I know somebody who does, and he referred me to Drabala, but you had already told me about him. So it was like kind Mm -hmm. of a perfect storm. 
but a lot of doctors are just like, I don't know about that. Or if they don't know about it, they'll write it off like and make you think it's dumb. And then you just go, oh, okay, it must not be a thing. Like these are, you know, this is this woo-woo thing on the internet. And meanwhile, yep. women who've had 10, 11, 12 losses are finally having success when they see an RI. You know, it's like, and not everyone, but like a, it's it's making a difference for a lot of people. So you can't write that off completely just because you don't understand it. But unfortunately, I think that's what's happening a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even with my fifth pregnancy, mm-hmm. I had already had Shepard, who was yeah. a successful pregnancy. And my doctors even gave me pushback with Etta because they were like, well, like this is kind of overkill. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, but this worked. Like, yeah. this, I followed this protocol and that's the only time I've had a living child. So mm-hmm. I'm going to follow it again. And yeah. now I have another living child. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And you can't blame them to some extent because, I mean, if you have cancer and you want like surgery to remove it, you're going to see a surgeon. If you mm-hmm. want to try chemotherapy, you're going to see an oncologist, you know, like there's mm-hmm. specialties for a reason, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a bummer that a lot of, mm-hmm. m- well, most doctors, at least I've experienced mm-hmm. have pushed back yeah. to immunology. Yeah. So, and it's, it's a newer field. Like I, I think, I think from is. what I've learned, like it really kind of started emerging in the nineties. So in the grand scheme of medicine, it's something that's really only been around for 30-ish years, you know, and it's definitely growing and developing and it's, but it's in, in many doctors' minds, it's more of a gray area. It's not something that they have like definitive oh, in like their mind black. And it takes a long time for medicine to like evolve. Like it just does. So I get right. why they're like more hesitant, but when you're in our position, you're like, whatever, I'll try <laughs> anything. Cause I'm so sick of just trying the same thing and it not working, you know? So yep. um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, okay. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I will say like the way, the timing that you reached out to me really was like, this perfect storm because I was in between my second and my third pregnancy and I was just not getting pregnant all of a sudden and I and I had heard of this immunology stuff but I wasn't familiar enough with it I didn't know anyone who had actually had success with it or used it so I was kind of like eh who knows you know but when yeah. you said something and you sh- and I saw your message I remember thinking like I wonder if this is contributing to why I'm not getting pregnant because once you said I went and like looked into it a little bit more and some of what I had read was like sometimes like it can actually affect your fertility too because your body like you either have like shorter and shorter pregnancies like you miscarry earlier and earlier or your body will just stop getting pregnant like there can be like different immune responses to pregnancy. It's fascinating. I mean, even like learning that women who have a live child and then have secondary infertility, that can be an immune thing too. Like you would think, oh, I was fine. I had a live child. There can be an immune response after that pregnancy. Like it's just insane. So as I started to uncover that, I was like, huh, I wonder if this is like part of why I've suddenly stopped getting pregnant, which it ended up being infectious, but there was still an immune component to my losses. And so when I... Yeah. When you reached out to me, I just, I remember thinking like, okay, I need to look into this. And I got on, so I asked you what doctor you saw. You told me about Dr. Gerbala and I got on his mm-hmm. wait list because it was like a five month wait list. And then in that same time period is when I found out I had this infection that was kind of like stopping me from getting pregnant, basically took an antibiotic, right. got pregnant the third time. And I was still on his wait list. And I didn't think I, like, I didn't think to reach out. I was like, oh, I'm pregnant now. I don't need them. Like, it's fine. And then sadly lost that pregnancy too. But what ended up being so wild was like literally right as I was like cleared, like what, you know how like you, when you miscarry, like you have to have a cycle again and there's like a process to your body healing. So by the time my body was ready to even like test when all the hormones were out of my body and stuff, that was when it was my turn to see Durbala. And at the same time, my doctor, my fertility doctor was like, hey, I think you should see an immunologist because there's something else going on here that I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on this guy's wait list. And I checked and they were like, it's your turn to schedule. Call us when you ovulate. <laughs> and I was like, uh, the timing yeah. of like, I would have otherwise had to wait six more months, you know, and then like right. wouldn't have gotten pregnant when I did. And like, it's just crazy to think how that timing all worked out because you were just like, I'm just going to reach out and tell you about this. And like that prompted me to look into something I kind of heard about, but didn't know much about. and really like take some steps toward it. So very, very thankful because I just can't imagine what life would look like had I not done that. 
I know. So crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, okay. So one thing I want to ask, and maybe just even just talk about a little bit for people who yeah. are like, okay, so this all makes sense. Like, this is really interesting. I would really love to just chat on like what the process kind of looks like. I know yours was a little bit different because typically people do testing before they get pregnant, but I think maybe it'd be good to just be like, okay, when you work with a reproductive immunologist, this is typically, you know, what it looks like. So why don't you share, you mentioned the blood flow ultrasound, you know, Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about the testing and then like kind of how they monitor you in a different way than most other doctors do. Do you want to share a little bit on your experience with that? Yeah. So for me, I got there and they did an ultrasound, obviously of the baby and then the blood flow as well. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know how much they took for you, but they took like, I think like 33 vials yeah. of blood from me. You have to bring yeah. a snack or you'll pass <laughs> it out. It was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've never had a problem giving blood, but they had to prick me so many times in different spots because mm-hmm. I kept running out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they did all that. And I mean, I've never seen so many tests like run in my life. Stuff that no and other doctor so, has tested. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing, like a lot of doctors, like I've heard people say like, oh, well, my doctor tested me for the antiphospholipid mm-hmm. syndrome antibodies, which is what I've had flares on. Mm-hmm. And my RE actually did do that and everything mm-hmm. came back normal. So mm-hmm. in his mind, I didn't have the mm-hmm. blood clotting fluid that I do have. Mm-hmm. But Durbala, he checks, I, you can correct me, but I think it's like 12 or 16 antibodies. Mm-hmm. It's yep. significantly more because mm-hmm. in his mind, they all play a role. Whereas most REs, like the first yep. four are the ones that are most studied. So they only care about those. Yep. And they so, can, and uh, I don't know about other reproductive immunologists, but I know Dr. Darbala also checks them throughout your pregnancy because you can have a yeah. flare, which is wild. Like it's, it's crazy. Okay. Anyway, so you can continue, but I just wanted to say that like they continue to see, and I yeah. personally was completely negative for antiphospholipid antibodies until I was pregnant and then it went positive. And so they increased my blood thinner as a result, which I'm like, that yeah. is insane because so many doctors would be like, you don't have it. You're good. And like, meanwhile, that's happening. I know. And that's what's really wild is because so there's like a benefit to being having been pregnant already, because some people, mm-hmm. like you said, like it, it only is flared in pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And so like I, you know, when you have testing and you're not pregnant, it might be negative. But then right. he does test throughout pregnancy because if it goes positive and that's vital to know, you know. Mm-hmm. And so and actually with me, like with Shepard's pregnancy, it actually went negative again, you know, mm-hmm. and Mine so, did too after a while. Yeah, it's wild. And so, so but once you've had like once you have it, you have the antibodies you're considered you, you have it, you know? And mm-hmm. so, but yeah, so they monitored throughout pregnancy. Um, and what's really nice is I think a lot of people don't know, and I don't know if you've touched on this earlier or not, but a lot of people are kind of off put on seeing RE because there's only a couple in the States. And so then you, you have to travel. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. In RI. Yeah. You have to travel and whatnot. And people think, Oh, that I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you go once and mm-hmm. he, at least Durbala, he does everything. And then he lets everything else be virtual yeah. and like in your, personal clinics, um, for blood work and stuff like that. So it's super manageable to mm-hmm. be monitored throughout whole pregnant, your whole pregnancy. Yeah. It seems like, and, and that like, is a lot of blood work, but like you are yeah. able to do 99% of it remotely aside from the initial testing. Yeah. And even my, like my second pregnancy with Edda, like he didn't even need me to come back if I wanted to, I could have, but so hit that whole pregnancy was remote as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they monitored from start to finish mm-hmm. blood work throughout the entire mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. so much blood work oh my gosh, so um, much. And then, I just sent my final yeah. kit like last week and I'm like because you have to just for those who are like curious what that means usually you have to find like a doctor or like a lab that will draw your lab your blood and then give it like you can take it in a kit and ship it off to, to the lab that Darba, Darbala or whichever RI uses and for up, up until I think was it 20 weeks you're doing it every two weeks and then after 20 weeks it's every four weeks or something like that at some yeah. point it switches to four weeks but when you finally send the last one you're like oh my gosh the amount of like kits that I have sent in the last seven or eight months of my life it's 
so much. Gosh, but then you're like, I can't imagine because there was so many tweaks. And I'm curious about th- throughout your pregnancy, if you had this, but like, they're checking you either biweekly or monthly, which is pretty consistent during pregnancy. And tweaking things based on what your labs are showing. If your natural killer mm-hmm. cells jump or another like immune marker jumps or goes positive or whatever, they're like adjusting your meds or tweaking, you know, bringing them down right. or tweaking them and increasing, increasing them. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I, it's not like they're just like, here's this medicine, take it throughout the pregnancy and we'll see you in nine months. Like they are so meticulous about how your body's responding to each stage of pregnancy. And you just feel so like held through that. Oh, absolutely. Especially cause I mean, even with me now having had two pregnancies under their care, like mm-hmm. my first pregnancy, like with Shepard, I had way more immune stuff going on and I was on much higher doses of things mm-hmm. um, that they tweaked throughout. Mm-hmm. And then with Ada, my immune side of it, the blood clotting is always there, but mm-hmm. the immune stuff was significantly less flared. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't on nearly as many meds with her. And so, and I've heard that can like, happen. Like your body can kind of like reset a little bit after a pregnancy. Yeah. Not always, but sometimes people have have that experience where they don't need as much or they don't need as, you know, intensive treatment once their body kind of like learns. Yeah. Which I'm secretly hoping in the next pregnancy, yeah, I don't need, need any of meds, nothing. I know. Probably a pipe dream, but you know, hey, the less the better. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what and I think that's something we should touch on too briefly. I'm just kind of like jumping in randomly. But both you and I yeah. are very like naturally minded holistic people. So oh, yeah. I think we should speak <laughs> to that because this is like a topic. I mean, we talk about like holistic living on this podcast a lot. And so I think yeah. it, it's like such a like difficult thing mentally to like wrap your head around having to take different meds, especially during pregnancy. Like of all times, that's when I want to be like drinking my, oh, I know. you know, raw milk and like natural, you know, I want to be doing the most natural things possible, I guess. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on like how this, how you've like navigated this blend of like your natural, like holistic approach to life and then having to like let, like utilize resources like this in order to support a healthy pregnancy. Yeah, it's extremely humbling. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I'm very grateful for modern medicine. Mm-hmm. Without modern medicine, I wouldn't have babies right mm-hmm. now. I fully believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jesus can do anything, but mm-hmm. I. But he also gives us I, tools like modern medicine. Like he's behind yeah, it all. Exactly. Yeah, and sovereign over yeah. it all. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> I'm like not anti doctors or medication or anything. Yeah. But I definitely tried to limit that as mm-hmm. much as I can. I don't even think I had like ibuprofen in my house before I met my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it was really tough to know that I have to be on all these, especially steroids. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear horror stories about steroids. And mm-hmm. my mom jokes that it's like a monster drug. because She's had bad experience mm-hmm. with the two. And mm-hmm. I really did not want to be on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you do kind of hit the point where it's like, I mean, what do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd rather be on these drugs and have a baby that I get to bring home than Keep not be on them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so it was definitely super hard for me. And like with Shepard's pregnancy, my first one with Durbala, I really felt like, wow, I'm just like giving up everything. And I mm. really was like, woe is me because mm. I felt so gypped. And I'm sure you've yeah. felt this when it comes to like, it's so hard to celebrate pregnancy now because mm-hmm. you've had losses and like, you don't get the joy. It's mm-hmm. not exciting to tell your husband you're pregnant. No. I mean, you're like, okay, well, cross your fingers, you know? Yeah. And I literally remember when I told Matt the fourth time I crawled into bed, I took a test in the morning, crawled into bed with him. And I was like, babe, yeah. And he was like, I just got a positive test. And his response is like, okay. Like it wasn't like a, yay, you know, like you just lose that. I think yeah. and I remember thinking like, that's such a bummer, but like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. I, yes. Completely related. It is. And I was just like, what was me? Like mm-hmm. I can get pregnant. Great. But like, I always, like I never get to, well, I thought I never got to be surprised by pregnancy mm-hmm. because you know, you, you're supposed to be on medications before you get pregnant yeah. and it can be detrimental if you're not. And mm-hmm. so I was just like, I'm sad that I never get to just experience like mm-hmm. a spontaneous pregnancy and be shocked that mm-hmm. I'm like eight weeks pregnant or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
I was just upset that I was constantly having, like, I'm always gonna have to be on medication mm-hmm. and it's never gonna be easy for me. And mm-hmm. shots stink, you know, mm-hmm. I don't wanna totally. have to do all these shots. And so mm-hmm. I just was like, what was me? And then I love home birth. And so I was mm-hmm. like, great, like, I'm not gonna get to have a home birth. And I know that's not for everybody, but that was something that was really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like everything was getting, like, getting Take taken from me, you know? Yeah. And, already, and so, you had yeah. already lost so much. Like, when you go through loss yes. of three of your children before you mm-hmm. ever have a child, like, or at any point, literally, it doesn't matter when, but like, when all you've known is loss and then in order to potentially not have a, a loss of a child, you have to lose so many of the things that are important to you or like let go of so many of the things that you value. It is kind of like, it like brings you to the end of yourself. You're like, what the heck? Seriously. Even though you're thankful that it's a, a potential solution, right? Like it's like a catch 22 yeah. kind of, cause on the one hand you're like, thank God there's this option. But also this is like so opposite of what I really would love to be doing. <laughs> you know, it's like oh you gosh, have to like yes. release so much and I think humbling is such a good word for it. I'm, I actually love that you use that word. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, you, in, in Christianity, you always hear like, you have to like lay things before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had to lay things before my doctors even too mm-hmm. at this point, because mm-hmm. I just like, I didn't, there's some things that you just don't get a choice in if mm-hmm. you want to have success, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and so that I just struggled a lot with that. And what's really encouraging now on the flip side of two babies is that I, I did end up having a home birth, not with mm-hmm. Shepard. I had, it was planned, but then I had to transfer to the hospital for mm-hmm non-immune related things, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I still didn't get that. And I was very salty after that mm-hmm. too, of like, well, great. I'm never going to have home birth. Like mm-hmm. I was right. And, mm-hmm. but then, you know, with Ed, I did have her at home and mm-hmm. despite being on all, all these medications and blood thinners mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So it's like, you can have that balance. Like, mm-hmm. And then, then once they're here, up. like you can, like I was talking yeah. to my chiropractor about this, like this is the reminder of like, it may not be it's like, you may not get the birth you want. It might, it might have, mm-hmm. have more interventions than you wanted. You might have, to have more interventions during pregnancy than you wanted. But when they're here, start doing the things you always do. Like, it's not like we stopped living holistically in every other facet of our life. Right. And like, even throughout pregnancy, there's so many things that I tried to do that. And I've tried to just intentionally implement to support my body as if I wasn't on these, any kind of medications, you know, you you just don't rely on them. And then the second baby's here, it's like, okay, now start doing the things and, and, you know, integrate them into the lifestyle that you are used to that you can't like that you're living this whole like medication temporary it's it's all temporary the treatment is temporary it's a means to an end it's not like a lifestyle yeah. forever and I kind of had to like personally shift my mind that way too okay so one other thing I want to touch on is the fact that there are not a lot of reproductive immunologists like like you had mentioned earlier a lot of people have to travel to them like it's not super convenient you can't like I remember feeling so frustrated when I learned about this because I was like oh you can't just like walk into your OB and ask for these tests they'd look at you like you have a third eye they'd be like what are you talking about so to actually like get some of these answers you do probably need to work with a reproductive immunologist or a doctor who is a very very knowledgeable about immunology but even right I feel like even doctors like there's some napro doctors and and functional doctors who are more knowledgeable about this but they're not going to be as at least from my understanding, they're not monitoring you the same way that an RI would. So yeah, maybe, no, absolutely. Maybe we should just briefly kind of share the different options in terms of the RIs that currently exist as of like summer 2023 for those yeah. who are like, who do I even call? Where do I start? So do you want to share maybe one or two and then I'll share a couple too? Yeah. I mean, I'm biased obviously, but I absolutely love Derbala. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, I don't know how, I mean, I'm sure the experience has been probably identical, but I've never met a doctor who is... I've felt is more on my side mm-hmm. like ever in my life. Same. I like I didn't have to advocate. I felt like he advocated for me. Yes. Almost <laughs> to the so point where sometimes you're like, is this really necessary? And they're just so proactive. It's almost like refreshing. Yeah. No, literally, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he is super, super great. He had he was trained under I don't want to butcher her name. It's like Dr. Quakim. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that's how you say it. I might be <laughs> butchering it, but it's close enough. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's yeah, how you yeah, say yeah. it. Most people, people just KK. call her KK. Yeah. Most yeah, people yeah. call her Dr. KK. <laughs> so that's all I've ever known her as. Yeah. 
so she's like really great. And then obviously like the Allen beer center, mm-hmm. which um, is out in California. Mm-hmm. I'd say those are probably like the bigger ones. Those are like the three really, I would say like maybe the most well-known and probably the most experienced from what, yeah. from what I've heard and learned in the immunology groups and things like that. I know Dr. Or I'm sorry, the Braverman Institute is also in New York and Dr. Vidali does a lot with like endometriosis and immune stuff from what yeah. I know. I'm not as familiar with him, but he might be an option. And then there's a, there's a doctor in Florida. Do you remember his name? Uh, Dr. Uh, Jubiz. Yeah, I, I think, think I, I don't know if it's, yeah, I think, I think that it's J-U-B-I-Z. I just looked it up. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and he's newer, right? He's newer than some of like Durbala and Dr. KK, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, but he does, I think, everything remotely from what I know. At least he did it when I was first looking into this. But those are really kind of like, there's one in California, the Allen Beer Center in New York, the Braverman Institute. I know CNY Fertility does some stuff with immunology, but I don't know if it's to the degree of like a trained RI. So that's- It's not at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's not? Okay. I had like a phone consult with them and I, I wouldn't recommend them for okay. Okay. immunology. Yeah. Okay, good to know. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Dr. Qualcomm or Dr. KK in Chicago, Illinois- Dr. Durbala mm-hmm. in Detroit, and then Dr. Jubas, I believe is how you say it in Florida. So there's f- about five solid options. And so that's why all of them, for the most part, have wait lists. I don't know how long Durbala's wait list is now. When I was on the wait list like a year or so ago, it was like four months, four or five months. So it might be more like five or six months now. But that's why I want to put this information out there. Because for those who are like, wait, I really think that this could be something for me. You know, like there's even, there's more than we've even shared. But like, if you think there might be an immune thing going on or even like blood clotting that your doctors aren't catching, because this is something, Anna, I think this is really interesting because not only does an RI do like a blood full ultrasound, but they're, they also seem just in general more educated and like proactive on all things, potential blood clotting risks. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So I think they're just more proactive on both sides of the blood clotting and the immune stuff. Like they found blood clotting risks for me that no other doctor ever tested. And I was like, I have like four or five risk factors for this going on. And everyone's like, you're fine. Like, <laughs> like what right so and I think you said you had the same kind of thing happen right yeah I think I have four different clotting factors so one clotting disorder but then I have multiple gene mutations Mm -hmm. that also can cause clotting yeah same yeah so they're just a little bit more proactive on all that so that's why like I would just want those who are like maybe this is the thing I should look into and it's not just for recurrent pregnancy loss so the last thing I kind of want to touch on before we get into a few resources for those who are wanting to research this a little bit more is if you, this is a question I have for you, Anna, and I'd love if you share your thoughts. If you had a friend who was struggling either with recurrent pregnancy loss, recurrent IVF failure, or even unexplained infertility, and maybe considering seeing a reproductive immunologist, what would you tell her? I would say just do it. I mean, yeah. honestly, like I, I really wish that I had learned about this before I even learned about like endocrinologists and things like mm-hmm. that, because obviously it's not the end all be all for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you can attest in the group. So many people have, are like, I've explored all of my options. Like this is my last hope mm-hmm. or, you know, I've had six, seven losses mm-hmm. and nobody can figure out why. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many success stories yeah. in like the Javala Facebook group alone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and so I many patients who like IVF isn't working for and their, their reproductive endocrinologist or their yeah. fertility doctors like, well, we don't know. It's unexplained. And it's like, there's probably yeah. an immune response going on, rejecting these embryos. Why are we not looking into that? It makes me, whenever I hear about that, I'm like, I want women to know this exists. Like Dr. Javala helps so many people who've had also like recurrent IVF failure and yep. unexplained infertility. Yeah one, of my like, friends, yeah. one of the friends that I met in that group, she has had multiple, multiple losses and multiple, she like only got one embryo out of, I think five rounds of Mm. IVF and she's now due this month as well. And so it, there's so many things that I can touch on and I just wish that people knew about it. And I I think one thing to note also is for me, I was like, you know, this just sounds really like woo, -woo, like you said. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to waste all this money Mm -hmm. on this and then nothing be wrong. Mm -hmm. And 
that just felt like such a gamble to me. And I mean, my husband works for a church, so we're like one income church salary. So I'm like, we can't afford this, you know? And Mm -hmm. I am not naive to the fact that finances can hinder people from Mm -hmm. certain things, Mm -hmm. especially because like recurrent pregnancy loss, infertility, all of that stuff. It's so expensive (laughs) and it shouldn't be, but insurance companies just don't cover it. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's really, really, really important to note is that a couple of the people you mentioned, like Dr. KK, Dribala, mm-hmm. and I think Jubiz in mm-hmm. Florida, mm-hmm. they all take insurance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, great, but I don't have, you know, infertility insurance. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I don't have coverage for anything like that, anything re- reproductive. Mm-hmm. But Dribala bills through immunology. So like mm-hmm. all of his coding is immunology. And so I was shocked at how mm-hmm. much was covered. Yeah. The only couple of things that weren't covered were some blood work because it wasn't in network with my insurance. Mm-hmm. But everything else was totally covered. And so, well, and it, it makes it, sense though, because the reality is like, if you have an immune dis, like he, sh- like, that's so smart that he does it that way because yeah, yeah, it affects your reproductive system. But if you've got immune dysfunction, that's a problem in your body in general, like there's a disease or a dysfunction. Absolutely. Like why w- it's so dumb that it, it's so crazy. Anyway, I could go on a tangent about that, but I'm actually <laughs> really encouraged to hear that. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I would just say like, if, if you even think or this resonates at all in you, just do it. Because mm-hmm. really, what do you have to lose? I mean, yeah. maybe some finances, but mm-hmm. I... But so much to potentially gain, too. Yeah, and it's like, you can even call and, like, figure out what mm-hmm. would be covered, you know? Mm-hmm. And just, it's just, a st- it just yeah. it's just so accessible, and it people don't know it. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's why I told you about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've told other people about it, and some haven't gone to see him, and that's fine. That's mm-hmm. their judgment. Other people have, and mm-hmm. they have babies. And so it's mm-hmm. like, it's not... It might not be the end. I'll be on. I'm again, not naive to that. Right. But yeah, there's not a one size fits all answer. But I think why this is so important to bring awareness to is because one, most people don't even know it, or if they've heard of it, their doctors are writing it off. So they're not feeling empowered to go check it out. And meanwhile, there are women, like you said, there are story after story. Like, are there people who still continue to struggle? Maybe because there's something that's unrelated to immunology happening. Of course. However, like it's such a missing link for so many people in the amount of stories Anna and I have seen just in our patient Facebook group alone. Like that's just a small population of people in the immunology world in general. And the amount of stories of people who've had, you know, like you said, multiple, you know, IVF failures or multiple losses or just this unexplained like problem suddenly having success it's like okay there's something to this then and it's like you might as like I I kind of looked at it like maybe there's nothing but I might as well like I don't want to look back with regret I don't want to look back and think maybe I, I should have yeah. looked into that you know and then when I did look into it and they were like one two three four five six seven eight things or whatever like there were so many answers <laughs> I was like oh well thank goodness I did this you know and I just want women to have that like peace of mind because I, I think the hardest thing is feeling like you don't want to you want to feel like you you never left a stone unturned when you're struggling with this, yeah. you know, and I think this is a pretty big stone that for a lot of people never gets turned because they don't even know it exists, you know, so it's like, yep. just be aware of it and don't be afraid to look into it is like the message here. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. So the last thing I want to just bring to everyone's attention or just, you know, for those who are like, this seems interesting, but I'm a skeptic, like, I'd love if we could just give them maybe a couple resources that are a good place to start if they want to start researching a little bit about this immunology stuff to see if it might be for them. Do you want to share like one or two that you, that we both have used? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm such an advocate for Facebook groups. My husband makes fun of me because I'm in a Facebook group for literally everything. (laughs) That is so funny. Wait, I have to pause because I remember (laughs) literally Matt suggested, I'm I'm similar in that I like creep in Facebook groups now, especially Mm -hmm. after this immunology stuff. Like I feel like I've started to do that a lot more. And when we were talking about like how we're going to hand, like how we'll like balance having two kids that are like six months apart it was so funny because I was like babe like I'm not really sure like like I was just trying to figure out like different things to do to balance it and all that and he was like well why don't you just get in one of your Facebook groups for other moms who've had this happen and I'm like 
that's not a thing for this guy. Like, this is so niche that I don't think there's a Facebook group for it. And he was like, oh, okay. But he was literally like teasing me because he's like, you're in so many Facebook groups. There's got to be one for this, you know? And I was yeah. like, well, I'm in a great two under two Facebook group. So there might be one. Okay. Maybe, maybe there is, but I'd be shocked. But anyway, okay. I know. So Facebook group, let's go back to that. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. But it just made me, it reminded me of that. No, I know. Yeah. It's totally fine. <laughs> but yeah, there's a couple of Facebook groups. There's one, I mean, if you're just having losses and you want to explore tons of different stuff, there's a recurrent face or recurrent pregnancy loss Facebook group. And then immunology wise, there's the reproductive immunology Facebook group. And then there's also the Durbala Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And all three of them are super great. The Durbala one is niche in that it's only Durbala patients or yeah. those who are considering Durbala. Mm-hmm. But I and you added me, I think, to both the immun the bigger immunology group. What is it called? Reproductive immunology is that what it's called? I can't remember. I think it's just called reproductive immunology. Yeah. So you added me to that one, and I think you added me to the Derbala group because I got on his wait list pretty shortly after talking to you. So that was really helpful yeah. for me to even like see what other people like. When you first get in there, it feels like people are speaking a foreign language. You're like, what are you oh doing? You know, gosh, it's yeah. like a whole different world. But I, yeah, it's it was really helpful to kind of even before actually seeing him be able to get in there and ask certain questions about the testing or anything like that. It was just, it can be helpful if you're considering a certain provider. I think the other providers might have a Facebook group too, but I know Durbala does, which is super They helpful. probably do, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last thing that I would say resource wise is there's a book. It was written by Dr. Alan Beer, which in the immunology world, I feel like they've kind of considered him like the grandfather of reproductive immunology or like he was kind of yeah. one of the first researchers of it. And he wrote a book and it's an older book. So there's probably a lot of things that are like maybe not so relevant anymore and that there's new like studies or they've been updating their protocols or whatever. But so much of it is still relevant and it really helped me get over the like, this seems kind of out there. So his book is called Is Your Body Baby Friendly? You can order it on Amazon. I think, I don't even think I read the whole thing. I think I read half of it. I was like, okay, I'm convinced. Like, let's go, (laughs) you know? And so- Yeah, um, I just used the table of contents and found- different things yes. to look up. <laughs> yes. Well, like, yes, exactly. Like when I, even it touches on like how endometriosis can be related to that or like thyroid things, or if you've found maybe different clues, like I remember when I was looking into this, I had found different clues such as like thyroid stuff or like the MTHFR or whatever. And I was able to kind of find how that linked to some immunology stuff in the book. And that helped my mind like reconcile the, even just like the the time expense of like traveling to go do the testing and like do all of the the investment of that. Like it just helped me kind of get on the on the same page, if that makes sense, or like understand why it was important. So if you're yeah. kind of on the on the fence or you're like, I'm not sure if this is for me, that book is Your Body Baby Friendly by Dr. Alan Beer. Great. And it's also got a lot of good stories in it too. Like it's just encouraging to read. And then the reproductive immunology Facebook group is a great place to start too. So I feel like that's a lot we've covered, <laughs> but I think, and hopefully, I mean, this might be a little overwhelming for people, but I just hope as you're listening, you're encouraged to know like there might, there still could be a missing piece if you're struggling with any of the three things, whether it's reproductive or um, I keep saying that reproductive immunology, whether it's I, recurrent pregnancy loss or recurrent IVF failure, or even some unexplained infertility that you're just like, if you just feel like you've hit a wall with other doctors or like, maybe you want to be a little bit more proactive because some of what they're doing is not working. Like don't be afraid to go out on a limb and try something like this. Like it could really be a missing, a missing link for you. Yeah. Also to add to, sorry to no, add one more thing, no, but um, also at least Durbali used to, I'm pretty sure he still does like free consults. Oh, yeah. And so like I called him and I was like, Hey, I don't know if this even sounds like it. And for him, he was like, honestly, yes. Like the fact that he's it's getting shorter, mm-hmm. he felt like that clued into something that it could be immunology related. Oh, that each pregnancy, Um, you said, sorry, you cut out for a sec. You said that each pregnancy started getting shorter. Yeah. Each pregnancy that I had, I had a miscarriage sooner and sooner. And so he felt like that clued into Mm -hmm. something immune related. Yeah. But 
if you are like, I don't know if I want to dive all the way in, just like call and see if they do consults. I'm yeah. sure other people, place, like other doctors do it too. And that yeah. could be a great resource. That's actually, a place to start. Yeah, I remember that too. Cause when I went in for my initial appointment with him, I walked, I had like this, like one pager. I don't know if I ever sent it to you, but I think I did. Cause I was like, does this yeah, seem like adequate? <laughs> but it was, I, I walked him through each one of my pregnancy experiences. Cause what was so bizarre is my first pregnancy and my third pregnancy were like almost identical. And then I had like these really out of control subchorionic hematomas. Cause for most people they heal and they go away and it's like not a big deal. But for me, they were just like, massive and would keep growing and then lead to a loss. And then my second, my second pregnancy was like practically in the second trimester, like it was late. And when I told him those two things, he's like, those also clue me into that there's an immunology issue going on here because subcranic hematomas that just like grow out of control are actually connected to immunology stuff, which was fascinating to me. And he said that when it's like, like those later losses past like the 11 week mark or whatever, those can also be connected to immunology issues. And I was like, what, so like similar to you, it was like just even the nature of my losses and the way that they went, like he was like, that really ties me into that. There's like, that clues me into there's to the fact that there's an immunology issue. That was before we had any testing done. So yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Definitely like see if you can do a consult of some sort or even just like email some questions or something like that, because yeah. it's definitely worth looking into. And he's not somebody who would just be like, yes, come see me and let me take right. your money. Like no, he's, he's, so- he's so busy. He does not probably <laughs> yeah. need more. Yeah. He's so busy. And he's mm-hmm. like the most humble doctor I've mm-hmm. ever met. Like He'll straight up tell you if he he doesn't think he can help. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's true. No, it's true. And it's really like refreshing, I think, especially when you've probably like when you're in this world, you've probably met with a lot of doctors, probably been disappointed by a lot of doctors or frustrated with a lot of doctors. So it's like, yeah, it's refreshing that he just has such a humble spirit and like a genuine desire to help and is very proactive with you. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This has been so good. I'm like, we could probably talk about this for 10 more hours, but (laughs) I think we've covered the main pieces. Thank you for taking the time to just jump on and share some of your story and your experience. And also obviously, like I always say for telling me about this, because I really feel like it's been such a game changer for my family. And I, I think it'll be such a blessing for so many other women to know about. Oh gosh. I hope so. Yes. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.